It's the Eggship Podcast. Once again, back in the saddle here for the three-game preview this week of Utah State's football game against Hawaii, Utah State women's basketball game against Southeastern Louisiana, and the Utah State men's basketball game against Bradley. Uh, before I do any of that, I will mention briefly the Agship is a credentialed outlet covering all three of those teams at Utah State. If you like Utah State, if you want coverage of those teams, high quality, no ads, um, straight to your inbox, $6 a month. Uh, go to www.theagship.com and subscribe. I'd love to have you. Uh, for those of you who are subscribed at the $10 tier, Q&A podcast is coming soon. I promise. It's coming soon. I just need to find a minute to do it. Um, I might send out a call for questions tomorrow and try to do it tomorrow night, but we will We will see. We will see on that. Uh, I might honestly try and do it during the day on Saturday. So if you have questions for that, uh, be on the lookout for a post that's going to go to you and your inbox specifically here in the next however many hours on Friday today, uh, calling for questions and giving you a place to submit those questions. Uh, that is coming soon. Uh, as for other content, we're on to the the uh, the game notebook and, and, and game schedule. We've got two games here for, for Friday to talk about for basketball. Those will each have stories afterwards. Uh, probably going to try and get one up. I would say going to try and get up on Friday night, but that seems unrealistic with with the two games. It's it's just there's not enough time uh, if I'm if I'm going to be honest to transcribe everything and to get that that written for the women's one and get it up by the time the men's game starts. I don't know if I'd be able to pull it off. Um, there will be photos up from both games on Friday. I would guess that the notebooks will probably be up Saturday, various times during the day on Saturday ahead of the football game. Football game obviously will get the coverage as it usually does. Um, I don't think there's any other housekeeping stuff to, uh, to, to, to do film preview for Hawaii will be up today on Friday as well. Uh, writing that before I head over to the arena. Um, yeah. So www.theagship.com if any of that catches your eye. Um, and, uh, I'd, I'd love to have you there. www.theagship.com. Once again, $6 a month. So, I'm going to start here with football. I think that there's uh, the, the, this is the probably the still the biggest show in town at this point, right? Football season continues, and, and I will pay it the proper respect until it is uh, until it is complete. So I'm going to start with football. It's the last game of the three in terms of uh, of chronologically, but feels like a good place to start here. Utah State has headed, has left for Hawaii, has has, has taken the plane out to Hawaii, um, is in for that whole trip. It's quite the trip. It's a difficult travel for a team, but uh, they are they are off. Um, interesting game. Hawaii comes in at two and eight. Has been competitive against several Mountain West teams. Uh, came within a touchdown of Wyoming. Uh, lost on the last second field goal to San Diego State. Lost on the last minute touchdown to Colorado State. Has been, I think, better probably than the record indicates. Not by a ton, but probably deserves another win or two. Especially they've they've been they've been legitimately better over the last month and change of the season. They they lost pretty badly to New Mexico State, and since then, save for the Fresno State game, they've been fairly competent. Um, this is a team you can draw a lot of comparisons to Colorado State 
with, and I, I think that some of those are, are fair, but I do think, honestly, and this is strange, this is not what I was expecting, I think Hawaii might be better. I know Colorado State beat them, but just looking at the team, looking at what they've been able to produce, I think that I think Hawaii might be a better. I think I think Hawaii might be better, and I think a large part of that is the presence of Braden Shager, starting quarterback, sophomore, 6'3", 215 pounds. He has been fine this year. He's okay. Seven touchdowns to seven interceptions. He specifically has been very good uh, relative to what he was to start the season since that New Mexico State game. He has found a groove. He's only thrown three interceptions in the last five games, I want to say, to seven touchdowns. Um, he has settled into that offense. It's kind of a combination of the air raid and the run and shoot uh film preview is going to be about the way that they run the football and uh this so if you are interested in learning more about how this offense works be on the lookout for that but he's operated it pretty well i think he's a pretty standard issue quarterback for that system i think that he will be good down the road he's fine right now it doesn't have a whole lot to work with at wide receiver um and and so he's but he's been okay and i think that he's kind of the difference between hawaii and colorado state at this point is that he is okay, and Colorado State is without anything at quarterback. Colorado State has been really struggling at quarterback. Um, another major difference here for Hawaii is the presence of running back Dead, Dead, yeah, Dedrick Parson, uh, and also Tylen Hines. The latter being an Air Force transfer. Uh, Parson has been very good this season, very reliable, very efficient. He's uh, he's not huge. He's 5'8", 205. I would honestly compare him to, to Calvin Tyler Jr. Uh, I think they're kind of similar backs. And then Hines has been their big play guy, averaging more than seven yards a carry. He is 5'7", 170, very, very quick, uh, very good to the edge. They run the ball well. They've run the ball well uh, a lot recently. It has been, it has been a good stretch of... of uh, of ground game for them really over the last month and change. I think that they will look to run the ball here, which makes sense because they have four senior starters on the offensive line, including uh, one who is expected to return this week in the first of many names that I don't think I'm going to be able to say. Solo Vipulu I'm going to go with, uh, who has been out for quite a while. He is expected to return for this game, which would be a big boost for them. Uh, up front, he, uh, he, he would give them... He would give them five starting seniors. They would have starting seniors at every position on the offensive line. I think that they are going to try pretty hard to run the football in this game, and I would imagine that they will have some success with it, especially if, as expected, MJ Tafisi is not available. That would be my expectation. At this point, I'm just going off of vibe, going off of what Coach Anderson has said. I, I don't expect you're going to see MJ Tafisi this week, uh, and so Utah State could have some issues with that with the freshman linebacker core that will fill in for Tafisi. Um, as for the rest of the Hawaii offense, and I'm going a little bit quicker here for this preview because I'm going to get to the basketball ones as well. Um, just just base information stuff that you need to know ahead of these games. Uh, as for the wide receivers on this offense, they have been damaged a bit by injuries, specifically James Phillips in the slot has been out since week four, and his place has been Dior Scott who has a very cool name but has not done a ton this season other than he leads the team in receptions, but it's a lot of short stuff. It's it's about what you would expect from a slot receiver in this offense. Um, he is healthy. He will play. He's joined in the slot largely, interestingly enough, by Caleb Phillips, who is a uh, tight end uh, by, by trade. He's 6'5", 230. They've used him a lot like uh, Timmy Chang would have used... Oh, what was the kid's name? Hmm. 
I just I just looked him up earlier today. I can't remember the kid's name. Cole Turner. That's right at at Nevada, the tight end who kind of played as a wide receiver last season for the Wolfpack. I would compare Caleb Phillips roughly to that. Obviously, Turner was better. He got drafted. I don't think Phillips is going to, but that's that's sort of how they've used him. They have they like to have four receivers, and usually the fourth guy is going to be Caleb Phillips. Um, neither of these guys really stand out a ton. But they are capable slot receivers. They're both they're both fine. Dior Scott can really run because he was a convert. He's a converted halfback, five nine one seventy five. He is somebody you have to get on the ground when he catches the ball. Uh, but defenses have not had a ton of issues with that this season. On the outside, Zion Bowens returns. Uh, he has been dealing with sort of it seems like just not major injuries, but a little bit minor stuff. Uh, he's in the lineup here, senior. He's the leading receiver for yards. Um, he has been joined on the outside by Jalen Walthall, a freshman, but he missed the last two games. In his place was Jordan Murray, who's a tight end, 6'5", 240. But I think that Jor- I, I think that Jonah Pinoke, I believe is how you say his name, uh, who was kind of supposed to be the star receiver for this team and has been out since week four or five. I believe he's supposed to return this week. He told media that he's all good, that he's expecting to play. We'll see how much he actually does, but if he does, that is a different dynamic for Hawaii than they've had for a while now. They would have, I think, two or three receivers who they really trust at that point, which would be a, a, a boon for them. It would be a big deal for them. Um, I think that this is an offense worth taking seriously if you're Utah State and one worth uh, worth preparing for. As for Utah State's defense, I don't believe that there are any major injury updates to add here. I would expect that the defensive line will be intact and healthy. Um, there's not been any update on Johnny Carter, so I would guess that it's going to be another game without him. Uh, Gervin Hall Jr. is back after apparently being suspended. No idea what that was for. Uh, just a one-week suspension. Uh, MJ Tafisi I already talked about. Yeah, I think that that's about it on that side of the football, unless there's anything that we are not privy to at this point, which... I wouldn't be able to talk about anyway because I'm not privy to it. Uh, On the other side of the ball, Hawaii's defense has had its moments, has also done a lot of experimentation this season with formations, with positions, with players. Uh, It's a veteran group. It's a veteran team in general. They've got like 35 seniors on this roster. I don't really know how they managed that. Um, They're not all good, but they've got a lot of them. It's a veteran defense. I think 17 upperclassmen in the two deep, most of them seniors. Um, What they have settled on here and what I would expect that you're going to see this week is a three-man front that can very easily become a four-man front uh, with the addition of Jonah... Kahahawai Welch, who's a senior listed as a linebacker. He's actually an edge rusher, as is Colby Wyatt, his primary backup. Um, You're going to see those guys on the defensive line coming off of the edge pretty frequently, opposite Andrew Choi, who's the other starter on the edge, backed up by freshman Tariq Jones. Um, On the inside is really, I think, the, the better part of the line. They've not gotten a ton of pressure this season. The run defense has been really bad here in general. The front is just not not especially good, um, the, the front six, really. But uh, on the inside is, is I think, the better part of the defensive line, which is Blessman Ta'ala, who is the nose tackle, pretty good nose tackle, backed up by uh, Fooi Shaw, uh, who is, I don't, I don't think back is the right word this week, but he is uh, cemented still as a rotational piece backing up Ta'ala. Uh, and then in the other spot is John uh, Tuitupau, Tuitupu? I don't, I don't know. I'm trying my best. I apologize for any of these names that I 
uh, Butcher, I am, like I said, I'm trying my best. It's a hard team to pronounce. <laughs> it's a hard team to pronounce, and, and there's only uh, there's only so much prep I can do for these. Uh, regardless, he's good. He's also good. He He's a little bit more versatile. He's listed as a defensive tackle. Uh, both, I think, are, are pretty valuable, all things considered. I, I like them more than I like the other guys on the defensive line. If you're going to run on these guys, usually you want to do it to the perimeter. It's not that hard to run to the inside either, but they're they're pretty weak on the perimeter. Um, this is the kind of game where Utah State really, really, I would really, really strongly encourage Utah State to be able to run the football here. I would really strongly encourage it because the secondary is not bad. The secondary can play. It's the front that, that, that's weak here in Utah State. If it can't establish itself in the trenches, it is a bad sign for this offensive line. A bad sign. The New Mexico game was not good. The New that was that was troubling from the offensive line. And if it can't get going here, it might not get going again. It, it might be you know see you next year territory for the offensive line if they can't do it here because this is not a good not a good front six. Um, trailing the defensive linemen are the two linebackers, uh, Panay. Uh, Pavaihi, Penay Pavaihi, uh, and Logan Taylor. <laughs> Very funny to have a guy named just Logan Taylor on here. Um, but uh, he's stepping into a starting role after an injury to the starter whose name I don't have off the top of my head. Uh, whereas Panay has been a starter all season, he is much more of the run stuffer of the two. 6'3, 245 pounds relative to Taylor's 6'1, 215. He's the coverage specialist, if you couldn't tell from the weights. Um, neither have been especially good this season. I, I don't really like either one of them. I, I think that they are decent enough role guys, but you wouldn't want them to be starters. I think if you had your, uh, if you had your pick, if it was up to you and Hawaii, of course, lost a probably an all conference level linebacker this season to Hawaii or to, uh, UCLA, who is currently leading the number nine team in the country in tackles, which that's how it goes. Sometimes they lost, like, they lost a lot of guys to the transfer portal. And I think that they would honestly, looking at this team and what they've done this season and looking at some of the players that they have here, if they had maintained a lot of those guys in the portal, I think that they would be a, a contender in the West this year. It's kind of a bummer, honestly. It's uh, it's too bad. I think they would have been pretty good this year with a coach who they didn't hate uh, like they did with Todd Graham. Um, it's... Uh, and one of those things, one of those, one of those what ifs. If they have Chevin Cordero and Day Day Hunter and uh, Nick Mardner and 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 all those guys, I don't know. Something to think about. It's uh, it's too bad. I think that they could have honestly had they could have been pretty good. But what are you gonna do? Um, linebackers. I don't have a whole lot else to say about these guys. They're just not very good. It's just not a very good front. This is a team you can absolutely run on, or should be able to run on. Everybody who has played them has been able to run on them pretty much. Uh, we will see how it goes here for Utah State. In the secondary, which is the strength of the defense, you've got a lot of veteran experience at cornerback, specifically Verdell Edwards the second, and Hugh Nelson the second are the two starters on the outside, both six foot two, long cornerbacks, long cornerbacks, big guys that they've got out there. JoJo Forrest will get into the game some as well. He's the number three cornerback. And then in the slot is Malik Hausman, who is not as long, but he is a senior. Um, he's also good. I like this cornerback room. I think they I think they do a pretty good job. They've been in a tough spot this year because it has been so easy to run 
down on this front. Uh, but I think that relative to what they are being asked to do, they are doing a pretty good job. They do a little bit of man, they do a little bit of zone, they do a little bit of everything, and these guys have handled that well. Um, in the secondary, the, the starter, the, in the back, the deep backfield, the starters at safety have been Leonard Lee and Peter, Peter Manuma. Uh, but Lee, I think, is going to step into more of a, a split time role with the return of Mackay Pie, um, or Mecky Pie. I, I don't, I don't know it exactly. Uh, who has been injured for three or four weeks now, but is returning to the lineup. Sophomore was the starter for the first six or seven games of the season. Um, I don't think they can really go wrong with either one. They're both pretty solid. Lee has been specifically very good, so I'd be honestly kind of surprised if he was to uh, if he was to re-lose his job. He lost his job earlier on in the season. Um, Manuma also has been sort of an A.J. Halsey-style breakout star for them as a redshirt freshman. He has taken that spot and has not looked back. He's one of the best players on the team. Uh, statistically speaking, he is also one of the highest-rated players for PFF in the backfield. Um, he's been good. He's not quite on Halsey's level, but he has been good. I think, in general, the secondary here is capable of doing some things that are that are that are positive and capable of making some plays in the passing attack i don't think that this is one where you could just come in and throw for 400 yards um i would guess that utah state is going to need to win this one on the ground uh as for prediction i think i said in the preview 28 21 utah state i don't feel great here about utah state i i think that utah state's going to win because hawaii is two and eight and utah state certainly should win but man, they really should have been able to run the ball on New Mexico, and that's troubling me. I know that it was a windstorm and all that, and they needed to be able to throw the ball down the field. I, I get it, but, man, they, they don't have as much of an excuse for not being able to run the ball on Wyoming, and also they haven't been able to keep the quarterback upright, and there are several receivers who don't run their routes uh, on most plays. <laughs> so I don't know. I just I don't feel great about it. I, I think Utah State wins. Utah State is certainly more talented. Um, and, and should be able to pull this out. I think that it can slow down Hawaii's offense enough that it won't need to do a ton uh, with its own offense. But I, I don't feel great about it. I think it's probably going to be close. I think it's going to be another one that they have to tough out. Uh, win's a win at this point. Win is always a win in Mountain West play, and it would, would get them... Another game closer to bowl eligibility would only need one win in their last two against San Jose State and Boise State. Uh, but we will know ahead of this game, I believe. Let me check when these actual games are. Um, we will know ahead of this game if Utah State is still competing for the Mountain West crown. Um, let me see. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, about 30 minutes ahead of time, we would know, um, if, uh, if, if not, because Wyoming is at Colorado State and Boise State is at Nevada. If neither of those teams lose, Utah State's uh, search for or, uh, battle to stay in the mountain is over. There would not be a path to winning the mountain uh, at that point, I believe. I'm pretty sure. I'm like 95% sure. Uh, yeah, I, I can't. I can't think of one. Um, if Wyoming loses, it would Utah State would need Wyoming to turn around and beat Boise State next week, and then lose to Fresno State to end the season. If Boise State loses, Utah State would need it to turn around and beat Wyoming, and then obviously Utah State would need to beat Boise State to end the season. Uh, in that scenario, Wyoming does still need to lose to Fresno State to end the year. If they both if they both lose, I haven't even thought about that. I don't know what it would be. 
it's, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're both going to lose. But Wyoming plays at 5 Mountain Time. Boise State is at 9.30 Mountain Time. Utah State is, of course, at... Or Boise State's at 8.30 Mountain Time. Utah State is, of course, at 9 Mountain Time. Um, so we would uh, we would know probably about 30 minutes before the game ends if, if Utah State still has a chance. If Colorado State does not upset Wyoming, Utah State would need Boise State to lose. If neither team loses, it's contention is over um that would be my guess is what's going to happen but again crazier things have happened wyoming nearly lost to hawaii a couple weeks ago i don't think it's impossible to see them losing that game on the road um boise seems less likely but we'll see uh, it'll be interesting to watch that'll be the thing to watch before this game and then obviously the game itself you should watch uh, i think i'm going to stick by my prediction 28 21 should be a fun one should be interesting looking forward to it all right moving now to basketball. I'm going to start with the women's basketball preview, which uh, the written version of is up on the site as of yesterday. The men's written version will have gone up this morning at 9. You can read that now as you're listening to this, presumably, unless you get up and listen to this really early, which more power to you. I can't do that, but uh, I wish I could. I'm, I'm jealous that you all can wake up early. I am a, uh, I'm a late-night man myself. It's currently... 11 17 and i've got a trip to the gym still left to do today so um that is uh, <laughs> that is my style but all credit to you for uh, to those of you who can wake up early so women's team is preparing for a matchup with southeastern louisiana southeastern louisiana went 16 and 11 last season they are seeking their third consecutive winning season for the first time since the early 1990s um under head coach should have just not said her name because I did. I don't know how to say it. Um, Isla Guzardo, I think is how you say it. Who, interestingly, same hometown as Kayla Art. They're both from Hammond, uh, southeastern Louisiana. Is I believe in Hammond, which is why they, you know, have the connections there. Kayla Art obviously played at at southeastern Alabama or southeastern Louisiana. I think I'm, that, that's that's right, right? Let me look. Now I need to know. I shouldn't have said that. I should have just <laughs> should have just let it ride. Yes, she did play at Southeastern Louisiana, so there are lots of ties here. Um, as for the matchup itself, I think Utah State should feel pretty good coming into this one. Uh, Southeastern Louisiana has some pretty strong players to replace this season. It lost... Uh, leading scorer and rebounder Caitlin Williams, a five-year starter, uh, in the in the front court, also lost number three scorer last year, Morgan Carrier, who is the number one three-point shooter and basically the only capable three-point shooter on the team last season. Then um, starting guard Brianka Duckworth is also gone. Reserve front court players Casey Bradford and Morgan Davis as well. Um, they uh, they they have three consistent starters and four of its top top six scorers to replace from last season. That's a lot. That's a lot to replace. They do have some talent back this season. Uh, I'm just going to go position by position for these basketball previews. I think it's the easiest way to do it. Uh, And we're going to start, of course, with the backcourt, start at point guard, where I have, and this is a this is a rough projection. I'm going to be honest with the women's ones right now. Early on in the season, it's really hard to know what position these players play. It's really really hard to know, specifically like within guard and forward breakdowns where these where these girls are playing, um, because there's just not data on it. Uh, Southeastern Louisiana played an NAIA team. There's a box score. I can work with a box score. I can work with previous season stats, but. 
that's about it. There's not anywhere that's making a distinction of what position they're actually playing. And so a lot of this is me guessing. A lot of this is me making an educated guess based on size, based on stats, based on generally their, their stat profiles. Uh, that's what I'm attempting to do here. Some of these are going to be wrong. It's just it's just how it is. The men's are, are slightly better because I have things like Bart Torvik, which uh, kind of say roles in how they describe the players. But for the women's ones, for the early stages of the season, it's going to be a little bit tricky until there's a larger sample size and I can get a feel for who's playing where. So at point guard, I have uh, Alexius Horn, five foot nine junior, uh, projected as a starter, backed up by Jalencia Pierre, who's a five foot five freshman. They both played in the season opener. Horn is, she's fine. She's okay. She played a little bit last year. She had 12 starts in 25 games a season ago. Uh, she'll need to do more this year. She she looked good in the season opener. 10 points, 5 boards, 5 assists. Uh, not a huge scoring threat, I don't think, in general. Not the Not the biggest star in the world, but she's capable. She can keep the offense on track. She's not the only primary ball handler within this starting lineup, Um, but she is good defender, pretty good distributor. Like I said, I think that she will keep everything on track for them, and that's pretty much the role that they need her to play. They they would really, really like it if she can hit some threes as well, but that has not been in her nature before. We'll see if it is now. Somebody has to do it for this team. I'm not sure who it's going to be. They are... They are without proven shooting, I would say, at this point. Uh, and then Pierre is a true freshman who she looked good in the first in the first game. She looked really, really impressive. She had uh, let's see, um, and about she played more minutes. She played t- four more minutes than Horn did, even though Horn got the start. Uh, she had nine points, six assists, and three rebounds. It was a blowout. It was an NAI an, an NAIA team again. I get it. But still, she looked good. I think that you'll probably see both of them. Pierre is probably a higher ceiling scorer overall and and could be a future star for them. But this year, she is still learning. Uh, And I don't know how much you'd want to put out a freshman guard against Maria Carvalho. Personally, I wouldn't be doing that. But I understand that circumstances are what they are. Um, Neither of these guards really stick out a ton to me. I think they're both capable. But anything beyond that would be probably being too generous uh at shooting guard it's sierra cunningham senior five foot seven and jade brumfield five foot six sophomore i've not seen a ton from brumfield but cunningham is uh somewhat proven kind of okay she's she's fine she will contribute roughly what horn can contribute just as an off ball scorer basically she's a she's a pretty good defender decent getting to the hoop Again, not a very proven shooter, but they would like for her to be able to shoot the ball a little bit more. Um, Will be stepping into a larger role this season, but did play some last year. She, I don't know. She has not made a whole lot of an impact on me. If you can't tell, I've just there's not a there's I don't have a ton to say about her. She's she's fine. She's a member of the starting lineup. She she bears mentioning because of that, but I don't think that she's going to be doing a ton here. Um, and then Brumfield, I've not seen anything from, I don't know anything about Brumfield. She's a sophomore. She's five foot six. That's all I can tell you. She's here. She's, she's on the team. She played some minutes in this season opener. I don't think that she's going to have a huge impact in this game. Um, in the front court is where you start to see a little bit of, of, uh, of intrigue at small forward. You have the best player on the team. Um, let's see how I say this name. Haley, uh, Giaratano, Giaratano, 
One of the two. Probably probably Giarratano, but could be Giarratano. I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. She's good. She's good. She's a fun player. Five foot ten. She's kind of a point forward for them. She does a lot of primary ball handling out of that small forward spot. She led the team in assists last year. Also had 7.9 points and 3.5 rebounds per game. She's been kind of a complimentary piece to this point in her in her career. But she's a five. She's five seasons now as a contributor. Um, this is her team. This is finally her team. It's her chance to lead the group. Uh, she did that very well in the season opener, seven of 12 shooting for 16 points with four boards, three assists and two steals. Uh, she's a good defender. She's physical. She gets to the hoop. Well, not really going to shoot the ball from outside, but she, again, she gets to the hoop really well, capable mid range, going to be an interesting test for Utah State to see how they handle her because I'm not sure that there is a natural fit to guard her. I would personally... Hmm. I hadn't really thought about that even. I'm not sure who guards her. I don't know... I don't know if putting Christina Oliva on her is a great idea because I think Christina Oliva is a very willing defender, but she's not very big. She's five foot nine, but she's not very big. And, and, and this, uh, this Giarantano... Giaratano uh, is. She's pretty big. She's 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 capable of of posting up on you and and just making plays in the post. And so I don't know who would be the best fit to to guard her. If you think Maria Carvalho can make up the size disadvantage, maybe you have her handle that and then move Oliva up into a a guard position. Um defensively maybe olivia wickstrom you have do it i'm i'm curious i think mason kimball might be able to keep up but then i'm not sure who would handle the power forward guarding i don't know this is a this is a game where if utah state has a bigger lineup this would be a really good time to use it i think this would be a great time for say like ashaya klopfenstein or natalie fraley to be healthy we'll see if they are um but i'm interested i'm interested to see how they handle her i think that she is a pretty a pretty good player and a pretty valuable talent and and someone who is unique that they will see this season you're not going to see a whole lot of players like her excited to watch her play uh, backing her up is Deja or Deja Harvey, who is the best returning shooter on the team, which is not great, <laughs> I would say, because she didn't shoot very well last year. She was 27.3 per, no, I don't even know what she was. She was 22 of 98 shooting. The team was 27.3 from deep. Um, they, they don't shoot the ball very well from outside. Uh, but Harvey, if they are going to shoot it well from outside, it's probably going to start with Harvey at power forward. It's Taylor Bell is the starter, sophomore Taylor Bell, um, served as kind of a scoring threat off the bench last year. She also not much of an outside shooter, but she is big, physical, good in the post, capable of scoring at the rim. We'll get to the rim. Pretty good rebounder, uh, pretty good defensively. She is a, she's a solid power forward. I think that she will be a a valuable contributor here and then behind her is senior Chrissy Brown who uh, does uh, does a lot of bench scoring of her own she scored 10 points off the bench uh, in 11 minutes of playing time in the season opener she'll usually play more than that 
mid-range capable, pretty big as well, pretty good in the post. Uh, a little bit more of a um, of a perimeter power forward, I would say, is is Brown than Bell certainly, but they're both power forwards in the in the more traditional sense, and I, I think you'll probably see both of them. I think that they are both fine to pretty good, but not uh, anything beyond that. Then at center, rounding out the group is senior Natalie Kelly, uh, and then uh, newcomer, redshirt freshman, transfer from UT Martin, Taylor Dupree. Neither one of them is excellent. Kelly has a lot of potential, I think. Like I said, six foot three, good defender, very good defender, good rebounder. She had 4.2 points, 4.8 rebounds per game last season. Uh, she led the team in blocks despite playing under 16 minutes per contest. Uh, they would really, really, really like for her to be better offensively. She was not good offensively last year, not an especially good shooter. Doesn't doesn't really have a whole lot of interest in scoring. Just just a little bit of that effort would be really valuable for southeastern Louisiana here, especially because they just don't shoot the ball very well. They could they could really use that effort in the post, both on rebounds and on scoring at the uh, at the rim. So that's the lineup. Um, as for my prediction, I said here in the preview, Utah State seventy, southeastern Louisiana sixty one. As I sit here now, I'm not sure that southeastern Louisiana has a whole lot going on, if I'm going to be honest. Maybe they will come together later in the season, but I don't love this roster. I don't. There's there's not a whole lot here that really stands out to me. Utah State's sample size is small, and it's, it was against an NAIA team, so we don't know exactly what this team is going to be, but I think that Utah State can probably win this one and can win it kind of going away. Uh, I, I might amend this to say Utah State 70 in, at least here in the podcast, I'm not going to change it on the post, but here on the podcast, between you and me, I, I think I might have this as Utah State 70, Southeastern Louisiana. Um, I'll say 57. I'll say 57. I'll say it's a it's a good win, really, really good win for Utah State, one that they can be happy about uh, coming out of this, for this uh, first week of the season. So now we close here with the men's game. Uh, it's just set to tip off at 7 p.m. against Bradley. Bradley was decent last year, pretty okay. Uh, they were expecting to make a, a pretty strong Missouri Valley title run this season with what they were going to return, but they lost uh, star guard, newcomer of the year, all-MVC honoree Terry Roberts to Georgia. Um, and they enter this season without third-team center Rink. Rank? I don't know. R-I-E-N-K, Mast. Um, I'm going to go with Rink, Mast, who is uh, is kind of the heart and soul of this team as it was projected to be. He's not out for the season or anything, but he has a non-contact practice knee injury that is uh, going to hold him out for a while. And so he's not going to play here. Uh, he did not play in the season opener, which was against a made-up team from Wisconsin. Wisconsin Parkside, I want to say, the Rangers. Uh, if you're a big Rangers head, I guess. Um, but they have gone out. They have grabbed a couple guys out of the transfer portal, namely at point guard to replace Roberts. But largely, this is a team that's pretty similar to the one that was here last year, even with those departures. Uh, they shoot the ball well. They're playing at a higher tempo this season than they have, but not probably not willingly. I think it's probably because of the, the loss of Mast. Uh, for the early stage of the season. They've got a couple young guys aging into larger roles. They have good bench scoring. They rebound well. They play good defense. They're a fundamentally sound team and just about what you would expect from a Bradley team in general. At point guard, are those new players? Uh, Duke Dean, five foot eight, 
160-pound junior transfer from Troy. He was the uh, freshman, Sunbelt freshman of the year last season. Averaged 9 points, 3.1 assists, and 2.4 rebounds per game on 36% shooting from the field, 33.9% from deep. Um, They'd like him to shoot better than that this year, I think, (laughs) certainly. He's a willing shooter. He's a good scorer when he's on, but Bradley would really like for him to be that kind of scorer for them just on a more efficient level. Not doesn't need to be a ton. He does not shoot a whole lot anywhere from but from three. He's not very big, does not get to the hoop very well, doesn't have a whole lot of interest in getting to the hoop. You're, what you're going to see from here and here is probably going to be a lot of long twos or threes, a lot of dribbling to set up the offense, a lot of passing. He's not somebody who's going to attack the hoop very often. That's just not his game. He's not really capable of that. Um, the the main concern with guarding him is guarding him on the perimeter, and that's what Utah State's going to need to focus on here. I would guess that this is a Ryland Jones special. I think that that makes sense. Uh, also at point guard is Pop Weathers, another transfer. He's a JUCO guy. Don't have a ton on him. He's fine. He'll play. Um, but there's nothing there's nothing about him that really stood out to me when I was when I was looking through this team. Shooting guard, Connor Hickman is the returning starter. He's a pretty good shooter, was a starter last season. He's an experienced player, veteran player, six foot three, hundred and ninety-five pound sophomore. I guess he's not a veteran, but he did play last year. He played plenty last year. Um, I would expect that he's going to step into a larger role this season, step into more of a scoring role. He's going to do a lot of their shooting from the outside. He's certainly not alone on that front, but he's a good shooter. Um, he is someone who, I I don't know who exactly I would compare him to kind of like a Steven Ashworth style player. I think he's, he's a little bit bigger, a little bit less of a ball handler, but that kind of shooting profile, basically, if that, if that, uh, if that registers, if that makes sense, maybe he's a little bit more efficient from, from three, or at least a little bit more consistent from three, but you're going to see a lot of that. He's, uh, he's shifty. He's quick. He's a good shooter. He's a uh, he's a good player. He's a he's a he's a good player. Uh, backing him up is boy howdy. I don't know how to say this kid's name at all. Vil Tavaninen. Tavaninen. I'm gonna go with Tavaninen. Six foot four, two hundred and ten pound senior. He is the shooter here. Thirty six percent from three last season, but shot more than anybody. He will continue to do that this year. They bring him off the bench for his three point shooting and his defense, and that's what he's going to do here. He, he's a he's a three and D guy, big player. He will probably be a Max Shulga assignment. I would guess that that is a, that is a matchup that makes sense on both sides. I think that that's going to be a pretty fun one to watch. He's a really good role player to have. Very very valuable piece to have if you can if you can get him. Good shooter. They got a lot of good shooters here in this in this perimeter, and it's a theme throughout the team. Um, at small forward is Zek. Maybe it's pronounced Zach, but it's spelled Zach. Uh, Zach Montgomery, 6'6", 210-pound sophomore, who is kind of a surprise that he stepped into a starting role this season. He's a younger guy, and they have a pretty obvious answer if they wanted a starter there in Sean Henry, who I'm going to talk about in a second. But Montgomery's a better shooter of the two. He's the better outside shooter pretty willing defender and a very good athlete. I think that this is more of a ceiling play with him, and and I think that 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 makes some sense to me. Um, He is someone probably to watch more down the road than this season, but he will contribute here. He'll be capable. Uh, He is just not... He's not the star of the lineup or anything like that. Henry, however, might be the best scorer on the team. 6'6", 230-pound junior, Sean Henry, led the team in scoring in the first game, 19 points. He was now... 
it bears mentioning uh, seven of seven shooting and five of five from the free throw stripe, and with uh, with four rebounds as well. He's probably not going to do that every night. Not a great perimeter shooter, uh, but he is a very good athlete, capable defender as well. He has been a valuable scorer off the bench for them for about four years now, and it's a comfortable role for him. He is largely a slasher and a mid-range guy, slashing first, mid-range second. Um, I think that this is a... Hmm... I can't remember who I said I think is probably going to be guarding him. Um, probably a Sean Barristow assignment. Sean Barristow and Z Hamoda, I think, would make sense here for this one. Um, this is a small ball game for Utah State, if you haven't noticed. Uh, as I get down here into the post, you're going to recognize pretty quick. This is a small ball game for Utah State. I would expect that you're not going to see a ton of Trevin Dorius and that you probably will see a decent amount of... Uh, of Dan Aachen and and uh, and Z Hamoda and Sean Barstow, obviously Taylor Funk and uh, probably some some Mason Falslev, some R.J. Idle Rock. I think that this is a good game for those guys and not as much for for Trevin Dorius or uh, Zeman Sabala, um, just based on the the uh, the matchups here. So that's the small forward. Power forwards are Malivi Leon's six nine two hundred and ten pound senior and Goenar. Bilu, Bilu, they're putting me through the ringer here. Good lord, uh, <laughs> I am, I am getting, I'm getting beat up on this podcast with the pronunciation. I apologize, man alive. I'm not, I am not up for this. <laughs> the light is is too bright. Apparently, I can't handle it. Um, Leon's is a good shooter, very, very good shooter, really good player. He's a guy I like a lot. Um, Good athlete, does everything pretty well. Not amazing at the hoop, but capable of getting to the hoop. Really good defender for them last year. And like I said, he's a true stretch four. He can shoot from the outside. Honestly, kind of surprised that he's not a bigger deal on this team. I think that he should be. Um, he's a really good player. He's going to be an interesting guy for Utah State to have to defend because I think that he might be too quick for Taylor Funk. It's going to be a tough assignment for Taylor Funk, just like Taylor Funk will be a tough assignment for him because I think that he's probably... Leon's probably is not big enough to handle Taylor Funk, but that's a conversation for the game itself, I suppose. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see how Utah State handles a stretch four who can move around, who will be screened open for shots. They do a lot of off-ball screens to set up perimeter shots, and, and Leon's is the beneficiary of quite a few of those. Uh, Ballou, I have no thoughts on. He's a, he's a center-capable power forward. He can play both. He will play both. I think that you will see plenty of him in this game. Uh, but I just I don't have a ton to say about him. He's new. He seems fine. Uh, at center, rounding out the group is Darius Hanna, 6'9", 200-pound junior, and Connor Link, 6'9", 230-pound junior. Hanna got the start in game one and looked very, very, very impressive, probably more impressive than he's actually going to be this season. 16 points, 6 of 11 shooting, uh, with a team-high 7 rebounds and a team-high 7 steals. He is very undersized for a center, 6'9", 200 pounds, but he's a really good athlete, a lot like Dan Aachen. I think pretty pretty similar guy. He's smaller, but uh, pretty similar idea that you're going to get from him. He's not much of a shooter, but he can do everything else pretty well. Moves around, is going to move around a lot, will be a perfect assignment for Dan Aachen. This is where you see Dan Aachen shine. Um, I would guess that you will see a lot of him in this game, maybe upwards of 30 minutes. This is, this is one where he is going to be put to the test specifically, where the small ball lineups are going to be put to the test specifically for Utah State. Um, 
As for my prediction for this game, I said in the preview 70 to 59 in favor of Utah State. Uh, Bradley has some stuff going on. They have some players I like. They have some talent. They shoot the ball well. They play good defense, fundamentally sound. They, they like to rebound. Um, all of that is true. Ultimately, I think Utah State's just a better version of them. I think, I think that what Utah State does and what Bradley does are pretty similar, and Utah State is more talented and just better at it, flat out. I think they are. I think that they just have better top-end talent and that when you are playing a relative mirror of yourself, the better version of it is just going to win. There's not a reason for me to think that Bradley can make up that ground unless it's just really hot from the field and Utah State isn't, which... I'm not going to predict that. That's a hard thing to predict. I have it 70-59. Like I said, I think I stand by that. Um, And uh, with that said, I will see you all for the recap show.